Last time on Knights of the Roll Table, a sudden coordinated attack has left many realms overtaken by nefarious forces during what has been referred to as the Great Turmoil. New Knights of the Realm are being sought out in a desperate attempt to swell the ranks. In the desert realm of Red Basin, we rejoin Jarek, Sarsa, and Branch as they adventure with human Remy Valiant. They freed two new heroes from some bad goblins. Carver, a warforged artificer, and Deleth, a human rogue. We also met five new heroes in the jungles of Castor. They were Biscuit, the gnome wizard, Igneous, the phoenix-born shadow monk, Deidre, a high elf rogue, Yeni, a halfling barbarian, and Oryx, a tabaxi warlock rogue. Led by veteran dragonborn knight, Alistair Slate, they defeated an evil wizard and were inducted to the Knights of the Realm. They were able to retrieve the name of a possible mole within the Knights, Danbrecht. We continue our adventure in the jungles of Castor as you are traveling from the temple where you just fought Vilnus, the necromancer, and are walking back to Castor City. Um, it's a very warm day. It goes without uh, any complications as you return to the city. And most of you have spent time here in Castor City. It is a, um, a beautiful metropolis. It has uh, many different types of inhabitants and uh, it's a very colorful city. As Alistair takes you in, you're going deeper into the city further along and he says, now that you guys are Knights of the Realm, you'll need to uh, get acquainted with our uh, headquarters here. Uh, so we actually have a small uh, base of operations that we've set up deep within the city. It'll be the place where we will uh, continue to do our work. As you're walking through the city, the, the buildings are getting taller and there's the density is increasing. You're able to, on the way, if you want to sell anything, you could certainly do that as we're kind of um, getting settled in here. If we want to take care of the business of selling and trading stuff now. That might be a, a handy thing to do. Um, you kind of enter a marketplace type of area. Alistair very much takes command of most of the rooms that he's in, and this open area is no exception. Uh, he kind of sees some of the guards people and he gives them a, a, a wave. Uh, he knows many of the marketplace hawkers and sellers, and he uh, is talking to them a little bit, and you guys kind of have a couple moments to trade or um, buy as you wish with the all of the gold that you have. Ooh, that's right. We do have a lot of gold. How do you people carry around this armor all the time? It's disgusting. 
Igneous is carrying the giant sack of heavy plate armor, which he can't wear at all. It's presumably magical, and he would really like to barter away for something useful for him. Hey, you magic one, you know identify, right? To Biscuit? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I told you about it last time. Well, what, 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 was this, this, is it, is this armor special, or, or, uh, worth something extra? It's just big old heavy plate armor. Non-magic about it, just really heavy. Plate yeah. armor of heaviness. It's really strong. All right, well, I'll work with it. Hey, can you tell that guy over there that it's really heavy, that it's magical? He might not know. Hmm, I'll see what I can do. All right, come on. Right, we go to the blacksmith. Ting, ting, ting. And that's when I said, well, you got to get all those ducks in a row. <laughs> oh, hey there. What's up, guys? Hey there, Boris. I dropped the uh, giant plate armor on the counter. <laughs> Ooh. My, my friend here is hoping to sell this big, heavy, uh, magical plate armor. And it's a, it's, it's a right doozy. I think if you, uh, you'd get a pretty penny for it. Magical plate armor of it's, heaviness. It's very magical. It's very... Very magical. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Smell it. Oh, uh, smell it. Okay, he takes a big whiff. Uh, mm. Let's see. I see a uh, steel here, a little copper inlay on the back, uh, leather straps. This doesn't seem to be magical to me. Well, uh, it's nice though, isn't it? It's very nice, yeah. Finely crafted. Uh, you're looking to sell or repair, or what do you need? You got weapons? Uh, no, J- uh, J- uh, Jameson down over there, he's got the weapons. Hey, it's, oh, you want weapons? <laughs> Did you say, I want to go to there. Say weapons? Well, how about, uh, what, what's it worth to you? Oh, this set, I don't know, uh, needs a little bit of work, and it need to be refitted. I can give you, I can give you 15 gold for it. 15 gold? Yeah. I'll lug this halfway across the realm for you for this. It's good plate armor. I mean, I guess if I save your life, we got this off an evil uh, guy in a cave, and he was a um, he was a right evil dude, and and um, it's we, got uh, historical value. That's right. You know, you could always smelt it down and make something better if that's what you prefer. Uh, that's true, but that's cost me a lot of uh, you know a lot of tree bark there to uh, melt that. All down. I don't know if I got the time for that. Uh, I'll tell you what. You look like nice guys. How about a uh, 17? 20. 19. Fine. All right. 19 gold for your plate. So, uh, blacksmith, besides, yeah. the, besides that armor that you just bought that was magical, do you have any other ar- magical armor around here? Ah, uh, magical armor? Uh, you know, we don't really do that. Uh, we really just uh, focus on the, on the good stuff here. Are you looking for, uh, let's see, you look a little... Maybe like a leather, a studded leather? Yeah, that's what I got. Always looking to improve if I can. Hmm. Well, I could uh, I could try and upgrade your armor for you and maybe uh, make it a little stronger, but um, not with any magical properties. Ooh, I would be interested in something like that. Yes, stronger armor would be a, be a nice thing to have. Hmm. Okay. Well, that I like that. So uh, let's see, two custom studded leather armor... Uh, special flourishes. Let's get you over here sized up. And um, he kind of uh, leads you kind of into uh, a back room area. And... Oh, darling, you don't need to size me. I'm a six. I've always been a perfect uh, six. Perfect six. I'll write that down. Excellent. No further questions. 
Great. So uh, he kind of takes care of you, and um, so for uh, 15 gold, he'll get that started, and then the full payment uh, upon pickup. And he says uh, he can do it within uh, within a day. Yeah, let's do that. I'll take care of the 15, and you can spot me back later, all right? All right, sounds good. Okay, any other, anybody else interested in wares? Um, I have items? every intention of looking at the weaponry next door with uh, Jameson, was it? Yep, Jameson, hey, hey there. Uh, oh, hello, sir. Now, I, I, I assume that the caliber of your work is, is equal to uh, that of your associate over here. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really good at, at pointy and uh, uh, prickly and uh, especially uh, stabbies. Arx is going to pull out his rapier and, like, not quite point it right at the guy's face, but, like, look like he's going to for just a second. Then they'll say, what would you do with this? Um, yeah, he kind of, uh, he, he oh, may I? May I uh, hold it? Yeah, go right ahead. Okay, and he, he's kind of a, a hunchback, uh, kind of um, dwarf, dwarven-looking guy, and uh, he kind of moving slow but uh he takes that sword and he moves it around pretty darn quick and uh kind of gets a handle on it. he says mm-hmm uh yeah he could weight it a little differently maybe sharpen it uh, uh we could do some work on it if you wanted to maybe uh customize this grip a little bit i'd take that and i'll show him my paws i guess Maybe make it work a little bit better with my claws here uh he hands it back and he says oh take hold it real quick let me get a look all right. And he uh, he kind of looks around. He kind of takes out a scrap of parchment, and he kind of starts uh, sketching on it a little bit. And uh, he kind of shows you uh, what, uh, this little diagram that has some uh, has a different sort of grip that might make it easier for you. Great. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'll take you up on that. What's, what's it going to cost me? Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Customize on a sword like that. Um, oh, geez. I could do it for uh, five gold. Five. Make it three, and we got a deal. I don't know. I don't negotiate. I don't do that kind of stuff. I'm not like, like um, that that guy. All right, fine. <laughs> that guy that you definitely remember his name. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's what's the time frame we're looking at then? We uh, get started uh, now on it, and uh, you could pick it up later today, I guess. All right, five it is. Okay. <laughs> All right. You uh, hand uh, over the sword. Beg your pardon. Yeah. Jameson, mm-hmm. uh, I, I see that you're doing that work with a rapier. I have one as well, but um, truthfully, I'm not sure that I want you to touch it. But I do have a set of daggers, and I'll Ooh. set them down. Um, so you can see, matching set. And uh, anything perhaps you could do with these? Yeah, I could do some work on them and uh, uh, maybe make them easier to uh, throw, make them uh, faster to draw, and, and that kind of thing, if, if that's okay. Oh, I would be much obliged. I'll, uh, let's see. We do uh, uh, three gold each uh, each dagger. Mm. That, that sounds very fair. Thank you. He takes those daggers and uh, says, Any, anything else, you guys? I also have pre-mades over here if you're looking for that. And he kind of, you know, you're able to see a whole bunch of different weaponry um, on display. I don't suppose any of that has magical properties? Uh, no, uh, I mean, they're sharp and, uh, they're, they're very good, high quality. I got silver, uh, as well, uh, pewter, if you're into uh, pewter weapons. Uh, I got an obsidian blade. Who's into pewter weapons? Oh. Is there a benefit to a pewter weapon? Well, it's a, it, yeah, it's, it's a little more bendy, 
So if you want it to like break off in somebody, you could do that. That's be really messed up though, I gotta say. <laughs> I don't I don't mess with pewter. I mean, uh every time I pick up a pewter it just uh, craps out on me. So uh I mean I I'd rather trust something that's a little bit more uh shiny, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Tell us about the uh tell us about the onyx blade. What what kind of blade is it? Like is it a sword, a dagger, what do we see? He pulls it over and you see it's it kinda looks like a um a little smaller than a football-sized piece of obsidian, and one one part of it is uh, kind of blunt, and it has this uh, kind of sharpened, almost like an arrowhead kind of back to it, mounted on a, a nicely carved um, weapon. So it would be like a two-handed, like a war hammer. Looks pretty. Uh, looks pretty gnarly. Yenny, that look like something you might want. Uh. Yeah, I just flip over the entire uh, coin purse and just dump out all three thousand gold coins. How much? How much? How much can I get for these? Oh, and 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 I throw the finger on top of it. And that. How much can I get for all that? Uh, Jameson oh like uh, <laughs> uh, looks shocked and says, "Uh, you keep the finger. You took the oh. finger. A discount. I like it. I like it. And I put the finger back in the purse." That's just- a, a one finger discount, nice. Where have you been storing that? Oh, uh, you know, it's just in there. <gasps> Look, uh, I I don't want any uh, trouble. I don't know if this is stolen or or, or what's going on here. You can, I mean, I'll, I'll sell you whatever you want. Uh, I mean, he gave you the finger. What else do you want? <laughs> yeah, sell me all of this, and I shove the gold closer to. <laughs> okay, uh, yes, take take what you want. Uh, well, that one's good. You said the pewter. The pewter's the, it, that's a thing that people like. That pewter. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Here, have it. Let's let's give me a pewter. Give me like um two of those. Okay. She's just pointing in some direction. Any anything? You know, you got a lot of stabby, but you do you got any smashy? More smashy stuff? He says but- yes, absolutely. He pulls out uh, a, a bigger uh, warhammer and um. Just like it's showing, just like everything, just like here, you can have this, you can have that. Do you want a bag? What are, what are you going to carry all this stuff with? Uh, you don't have any mules, do you? Uh, I mean, I could get you a mule. Okay, how much is that mule? Is it one finger? I'll take uh, the finger back out. I need you to keep the finger. I need okay. you to not have that out anymore. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Uh, and, uh, by this time, several people are kind of uh, coming over and crowding the stall. Arx is having a mild existential crisis during all this about how tactless Yenny is. <laughs> and uh, it kind of starts to, uh, you know, people start kind of crowding in. First, it's a, a lot of the other um, uh, shop owners are like, oh, what do you got? Oh, you get this over here. Hey, can, let me show you this. And they're, they're kind of all crowding in. Uh, but eventually, um, it's regular people regular townsfolk are starting to kind of whoa look at that and uh you know uh after a minute somebody reaches in and grabs uh some of the coins and that just starts uh a a, an almost like riot starts to happen and people start to kind of grab and uh jameson starts to grab some things and uh, other people start to grab weapons there and they all start to kind of push on you this this crushing that kind of uh happens real quick all of a sudden from kind of behind and up above, you hear this really big and a freezing blast comes down, chills the whole scene. And you look back and you see Alistair uh, standing up above. He has used his uh, dragon breath uh, to (laughs) freeze everybody in place. And he says, everybody step 
back. Uh, a lot of the uh, townspeople start to like kind of scatter. The shopkeeps kind of start to pick things up uh, as everybody's very uh, kind of cold and shivering. He's friend of ours. Friend of ours, that guy. <laughs> He's friend of ours. Dragonborn. He's friend of ours. He locks eyes with uh, you know Jameson and the other people, the other uh, shopkeeps, and says, "Let's play it cool." And he looks at Yenny and he looks at all of you guys and he says, "You guys need to get it together. Pick all of this up and let's get going." I point at Yenny. <laughs> he said, "Play it cool" because it was cold. For the record, I impeccably behaved. Hey, hey, uh, Jameson, uh, I, I don't need any weapons or anything, but do you have any extra, like, pieces of mica or iron or maybe copper copper wire? Yeah, sure, and he kind of, he opens a drawer and gives you a few things. He says, hey, look, I didn't know you guys uh, knew Alistair. Um, oh, yeah, he's friend of ours. Oh, okay. Um, Real good guy. Great, yeah, yeah, he's he's really cool. He's a great guy. What um, do you know about Alistair? Oh, he uh, he comes in here. He um, I think he's a member of the the army or the guard. I'm mm. not really sure. Um, everybody seems to like him. He always um, he always pays all of his uh, debts, and uh, he's <laughs> he's got plenty of plenty of coin to spare. Uh, so. Pretty well respected then. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, look, there's definitely lots of characters in, you know, in the city, but uh, you know, I think he's one of the uh nicer guys. How do we know Alistair? So, going back, uh you would have found some sort of recruitment. You might have met him in Caster City. You might have answered a recruitment call. He might have ran into you and said he was looking for you. It All right. Yeah, but you didn't. Nobody had a relationship with him before you started the quest, which ultimately ended up uh, where we started. And so, about how long have we been with him? It was uh, about a day. So this is like, yeah, you guys have just kind of met him. There was maybe a day of prep before you left. You made your way out to the temple. You went through all of the you know Indiana Jones stuff that happened in the temple. The future Patreon content coming? I don't know. Um, <laughs> so we don't know this guy at all, really. And he just, and he doesn't know us. And he just, we went through one fight and he made us knights. Got it. He just kind of said like, hey, you should come with us. And this was a test. Yep, exactly. Alistair begins leaving the marketplace and he kind of uh, gives a hand wave um, to you guys, uh, indicating that he's ready to uh, show you to the knight's headquarters in Caster City. Let's go. And with that, you guys uh, make your way. You're kind of walking through uh, the town, and it seems like you're in an area that has a lot of maybe more kind of formal businesses. It seems like maybe there's the equivalent of, like, offices in this uh, part of town. And you kind of come to an area that has these little kind of uh, doors, kind of one after another, that look like they're leading into maybe... um, uh, simple business fronts or offices. Maybe some go upstairs to apartments. And uh, he comes to one that's very inconspicuous looking. It's uh, mostly plain. You might miss it. It looks very blended into the wall. And um, the knob is, in fact, uh, just inset inside of the inside of it. So there's not really a knob, but maybe just an inset on that door. You see that there is a light, uh, lightly engraved into it. You see is the symbol that now is emblazoned. Uh, on your guys's forearms, the symbol of the Knights of the Realm. And wow, now that is something. 
Mm-hmm. If you, Very nice. Yes, if you ever need uh, a place to stay, this is uh, open for you. And he uh, slides it slides it over. You see that uh, his, his tattoo, his knight's tattoo, lights up as he touches this door and, slice, and slices and slides it over. Um, so there must be some sort of special lock on it that only knights can open. And uh, he brings you in, and there is indeed a, a long uh, hallway that is uh, quite dark, but you see that there is daylight on the other side. And as you walk through, uh, you see that the interior, sort of the interior courtyard of what would be this city block uh, is open. And you see that the uh, several floors, about three floors of this courtyard kind of face in. And you see that there are some different people there hanging out. It seems like there's, you know, maybe a dozen or so other little tiny rooms. And he says, um, uh, welcome to our headquarters for the Caster City Knights. And he says, you're welcome to make yourself at home here. Uh, We have all the things that uh, you would possibly need, services and a place to stay, of course. And he kind of comes over, leads you guys up, and he he shows you some of the dormitories there. And he says, "Uh, so here's each of you can have a a different room on here. Uh, Feel free to make yourselves at home. Wow, we get our own room? That's right. We don't have to bunk up nobody? No. No, I mean, not unless you'd like to. (laughs) I mean... I, I've always slept in the same room with my brothers and sisters for uh, most of my life. I, n- I never had a room to myself before. Wouldn't know what to do with myself. And he opens uh, kind of one of the doors to kind of show you. And you see that um, it is quite set up. It almost looks like a hotel. It's so nice. Um, it has fine linens on it. He says, uh, make yourselves at home. In a minute, I have more to share with you guys uh, about what's going on. And we need to follow up on the intel uh, that we learned concerning Dan Brecht. So downstairs. Hey, hey, yeah. I got a question, uh, Mr. Um, what was your name again? Alistair. Alistair. <laughs> nice to meet you. I'm, I'm biscuit. Um, yes, is, is this like a, is this like a chain? Um, like, like, like everywhere we go, there's going to be one of these things. Uh, there might be other uh, outposts, but none will be as good as the one here in Castor City. We have oh, we have the best facility. I... Wow, that that is something. I mean, I, I heard I heard tell stories about the knights and whatnot, but I mean that I didn't realize it had so many perks. So you're the head knight around here. That's right. I'm the head of this of this branch here. How long you've been a How long you've been a part of these things? Well, this is going on my uh, third year. Started before the uh, before the turmoil. Been keeping it up ever since. You're the head knight after only three years. Well, well there's been a lot of changes, and uh, unfortunately, you've lost a lot of knights along the way. Mm-hmm. Can I tell if he's telling the truth? Roll perception. Insight. Uh, yes, I'm sorry. Insight. That's a dirty twenty. Uh, you think that he's being uh, truthful? There's nothing that indicates that he's lying or covering anything. All right. He says, please, I'll discuss any questions you have more uh, down in our briefing room. It's on the very bottom floor uh, through the double doors. And with that, he um, heads downstairs. All right. So uh, you guys head through uh, the double doors and you see that there is a big table at the very center that has uh, a bunch of maps on it. Several nice chairs around that table. This looks like uh, any sort of typical command center. Alistair's standing at the uh, other end, and he's looking down at some papers. He, As you guys all uh, file in uh, to Biscuit, who, uh, tails, who tails the group, he says, uh, please close the door. And as you, uh, you close the door, you kind of feel again that sort of uh, 
the magic of uh, whatever controls those doors kind of seals it up. And he says, um, there's much more that uh, I need to tell you about the Knights of the Realm. In fact, I head up a special division of that that deals exclusively with the intelligence for the Knights. And our task is to find out information and to report it back to headquarters. There are knights in all the realms, in all the corners of the world. Since the start of the time of turmoil, we've discovered that many people are taking advantage of the ongoing recruitment. Taking advantage how? There are people who have joined up to become a knight, but have not had the purest of intentions. Well, when the recruitment process is just, hey, do you want to join? I mean, what do you expect, darling? Of course, there are risks associated with it. But our task is to go through and vet any problems that come up. We are the end-all and be-all of the internal affairs for the Knights. We call ourselves the Knights Intelligence Network, or KIN for short. We are just one piece of that. There is leadership, and we don't communicate directly with them. They have their own code names, and we have our code names. We are known as Dagger. Oh, do we get a code name? Well, no, you're part of... Uh, I want a code name. Uh, sure, you can. Have I want. One. I want a cool code name. I want to be. Uh, uh, let's see. Um, uh, oh, can I be something like, um, like dart gun or or um, uh, slingshot or, or or something like. Um, Biscuit. Uh, your actual name already sounds like a code name, darling. I mean, but that's my name. That's that's my that's my 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 father given name. I always thought that was a nickname. Sorry about that. Biscuit? No, that's that's my actual name. Name's a person, Biscuit. All right, whatever. It's a common name in our family. And he says, yes, it is. And um, he throws down a uh, packet of papers. And he says, yes, we've done our research on you, Mr. Biscuit, as we have for uh, each of you. And he throws down a packet of paper. And you see that it has uh, your picture and your names uh, on top of it. What's a picture? Guys, just <laughs> play along. An artistic <laughs> rendering. Like a caricature of sorts. Yeah, sure. <laughs> like a fast sketch. Each of you has um, special skills and backgrounds that I think will make uh, a valuable part of my team as we go through and find defected knights, knights serving the wrong side, spies, infiltrators, all those manners of people. He looks over and... Um, he, he pulls out a, a strange-looking uh, metallic device, and he kind of opens it up, and um, you see that it kind of starts to kind of glow blue. And he says, it's time that we contact Longbow, who is our commanding officer, and we get more information, see what we can find about this Dan Brecht person. Oh, see, that's a cool name, Longbow. I, I get it. It's all like weapons and stuff. That uh, yeah, The option to choose your own nip- nickname is fine as well if you want to continue workshopping it and he he sets it down and uh, it opens up uh and kind of creates this uh blue portal and it it glows the entire room and everybody has this sort of blue on there and as it opens up he uh says this is kin dagger to kin longbow come in kin longbow for where you may have before seen a portal or you uh i know igneous definitely knows about portals and um uh, maybe has traveled through them where usually you would see that it would be kind of a clear like opening. This has some sort of um, blur on it. It seems like you can kind of see shapes and colors behind it, um, but it's not 
100% clear. A voice responds on the other side, and it seems like that voice as well is distorted in some sort of way. And it says, This is Kid Longbow, go ahead. And Alistair says, uh, We have we want to get a uh, trace, get some information on somebody calling themselves Danbrecht. And the voice on the other side says, We'll get back to you. Transmission ends. And it uh, shuts down, and it kind of turns off. He says, in a few minutes, we should know a little bit more about Danbrecht. We should get uh, some information on uh, who he is, when he was recruited, and all those types of things. Uh, I want to let you guys know that um, the people that we're going to be hunting down are going to have the title of Knight of the Realm. And our job is to protect others. But the people that we're going to be hunting down are going to be very devious. They're going to be very unsavory characters. And oftentimes, our mission is to eliminate them. I want to make sure that all of you are okay with that. Sounds dangerous that uh, come with an increase in pay. As you can see, we are, no, we are not short of commodities. We're not short of rewards. We're not short of supplying our field agents with what they need. So whatever you want, we can get. Sounds like a deal to me. After a moment, the, um, the blue... Uh, portal comes back on again on the other side you hear the distorted distorted voice this is Kim Longbow we have info on Dan Brecht he was a knight recruited three weeks ago we have reason to believe that he is in fact an enemy of the knights you are authorized to question him and to follow up with any necessary leads as to the network that he works with and Alistair says understood over and out so before the portal closes, a piece of paper uh, comes through and it sticks out about halfway and Alistair grabs the other side of it and uh, pulls it through. And you see that this indeed is kind of like your files. It is a file uh, that has uh, Dan Breck's name on it and a lot of information there. And um, he says, all right, this is our lead. And um, so he kind of leafs through it and he says, looks like he maybe uh, looks like he likes to frequent uh, some of the clubs and casinos around here. Why don't we go and uh, see if we can track this guy down, maybe talk to him a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Hey, I got nicknames for everybody. I just want to let you know. Um, so, Deirdre, uh, your name is Rapier. Uh, Igneous, your name is Talon, because you're you're like kind of got some bird things going on. So, I, you know, I think that's kind of cool. Um, Oryx, your name is Claws, because you're kind of like cat. And uh, Yenny, uh, I just went with Battle Axe, because that, that's what you got. And then I'm going to go with Slingshot. That that's like in the field, you know, like like really cool, you know. If we got to refer to each other, we want to keep it keep it low key. Uh, I think we should use those nicknames. That's what I, that's what I'm gonna do. I mean, y'all do your own thing. Sounds good, slingshot. <laughs> there you go. Hello, listeners of the Roll Table. This is Jeff, your DM for season four. Holy moly! Halfway through another episode, and last time we were here talking. I couldn't tell you about the big reveal of there being two stories going on at the same time, but that's how it's going to work. I'm going to come to you halfway through the episode like this and have to only acknowledge the things that happened in the first half of the episode. It's a weird thing, and I'm happy to talk about it now. Uh, this was a, a format that I wanted to play with uh, for a while, and it's coming true now. So each episode, if it works out, you'll see one half of the episode with team Alistair and the second half uh, with team Remy. So it should be a, a fun thing. I'm excited to see where it goes and to, 
to challenge our players to run two different campaigns in their head at the same time. We're going to have some fun with it. I want to give a shout out to the Chula Vista High School Dungeons and Dragons Club. I, in my real life, am a teacher at Chula Vista High School, and I'm the advisor for the Dungeons and Dragons Club. If for some reason they are listening, and I hope kind of that they are, that they uh, know that I appreciate them and that they're awesome. Uh, A shout out to all Dungeons and Dragons clubs all throughout the nation, Uh, but a special one to my group of teens that I get to work with. They're super awesome and super fun. So if they're listening, you guys rock. We have a special holiday show coming up soon. We're in December now, and we're going to have a very special holiday episode of the podcast coming out soon. It's going to be DM'd by Matt Messerman, who this season plays Oryx and Branch. In this season, he played Salius before, so that's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be dropping in the feed soon. Hey, the best way to support us is to leave a rating and review on whatever podcast service you're listening to. It's super easy. Just jump on there. That five-star review is awesome. That review is awesome, too. It helps bump us up so other people can find us. Visit our Instagram and our Twitter at RollTable. Use the hashtag RollTable to help get the word out about the show. We like to put lots of fun bonus content about stuff we're doing, so it's really cool. Another cool thing to join up is our Discord server. You can jump on there. We uh, can talk right back to you. You can share stuff. We can share memes. It's a lot of fun. Look for our Discord server, Knights of the Roll Table, on Discord, and click on that. Some of the combat music featured in this episode was created by Weston Gardner. You remember Weston, and he can be found on his Patreon, Arcane Anthems. There are some great royalty-free original compositions that you can download right now. Check it out. The link to Arcane Anthems in the show notes. All of the art for our characters and maps, you know it, you love it, is made by Chris Daly, who also has a Patreon called Dungeon Heads. There you can select from an ever-growing gallery of character art and download it for free. We love the free stuff. Check out Dungeon Heads on Patreon. Follow Chris's art at Dungeon Heads on Twitter and Instagram. And you can also catch Chris on a podcast called Comic Book Keepers. It's very fun if you're into comics. Uh, They go super deep. If you have feedback or questions, you want to talk to us, talk to me, knightsoftherolltable at gmail.com. That's the email. Jump on there. Look, we know we are not the only D&D actual play podcast out there, uh, but we're happy you're listening to us. So thank you again for giving us the chance to be in your ears, be in your life. We love you guys. We love doing this show. That's all for our announcements. Now, go out and make life an Remy takes you all, and you're walking across the dunes of Red Basin, headed towards the village of Quince, and it's very hot. Are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. Can you tell us when we're going to be there? Of course. You'll be, it will be obvious when we were there. Quince is a city that is built into a large rock formation. It sits above the sand. I just feel like I'm doing an awful lot of traveling. It's a very large realm here. Everybody roll a constitution saving throw to see how the desert treats you. That's a 12. Carver got a 23. (laughs) Okay. Branch got a 10. 
Uh, Jarek has plus four to constitution saving throws, so five. <laughs> oh, no! Super. So, everybody, uh, ten or lower, you take one point of exhaustion. No! It, the uh, sun climbs ever higher into the into the sky, nearly straight overhead. Let's have everybody uh, roll a perception check while we are while you are looking over the dunes, trying to find this village. Fifteen. Twenty-two. Yeah, wait. What does it mean to have one point of exhaustion? What do we need to do? Our ability checks are rolled with disadvantage. Boo. It's not a fun thing. 13 for me. Uh, 14. Branch is very perceptive. He has a 22. Six. So Branch, you see, you're the first to see uh, through the waving uh, mirage-like visions that you see. Beyond that, you you do indeed see that just like a great, as if like in Arizona in Monument Valley, a great stone formation sticking out of the desert, uh, you see in the distant horizon. Hey, look. And he'll point it out to everyone else. Oh, we're close. We're almost there. Hang in there, everybody. And you uh, you begin to walk <sighs> further and further, getting closer and closer. Uh, finally, um, after uh, a little while, you can actually see the very bottom of where this uh, big piece of rock meets the sand. You see that there are uh, there is this big overhang, this big cave. And uh, out in front, there are some uh, fences and a couple things. But most of this entire village is carved into this big rock. And it sits uh, a few, maybe uh, 10 or 15 feet up some staircases um, that come down on many sides. You see that there might be some people. You see there's kind of laundry hanging out of windows. There are definitely signs of life um, down below. The first kind of signs of civilization that you guys have actually seen in uh, quite a long time. As you're coming down, you begin to see that there's um, maybe some rustling going down. People are kind of moving inside. And just as that begins to happen, Branch, you actually notice that uh, a lot of the there's some sand kind of falling uh, down around you. And you take a moment and you actually feel um, like a trembling that's happening. Uh, the, uh, the ground is uh, it, it's a moving. You guys all stop. After a minute, you kind of feel the same sensation, almost like a very uh, slight earthquake. Having lived in this area for a while, do, do I know of any creature indigenously that might cause uh, the, this kind of phenomenon? Yes, you do. You know that this area are infested with a type of sandworm. So immediately you kind of know that you should get off of the sand. We have to make it to the spice mines. <laughs> I suggest that we get off of the sand as quickly as possible. Well, yeah, we gotta get into that town, right? The shaking starts to get much more violent now. Uh, how far are we from that town? You are maybe um, a quarter of a mile. Do you want to run, or...? Is it like Tremors, Jeff? <laughs> Uh, what Carver knows is that it is <laughs> like uh, the film Tremors. Has he seen the movie Tremors? <laughs> yes, he got it downloaded uh, off of Napster okay. uh, before it shut down. It's in his hard drive, yeah, and yeah. he knows Kevin Bacon. He definitely knows Kevin Bacon, <laughs> okay. yeah. and okay. I saw it in the theater. Wow. Gotcha. That's actually awesome. And uh, most of the interactions like with them are kind of not like Tremors level, and there's actually some people that harvest their silk, 
and kind of can put them in cages and um, control them. You also know that there's legends that there are um, ancient sandworms, uh, which are very rare, which can grow um, to monstrous sizes. I think we need to proceed cautiously, not run, but make haste as quickly and silently as possible. Are you saying it can hear steps? Is that what you're trying to say? There's something underneath that can hear footsteps. Correct. Perhaps if one of you that is not feeling at your best, I can carry you. Why don't we give it something to listen to? I'm going to cast a spiritual weapon. Okay. Um, so my big old uh, anchor is going to show up uh, 60 feet. We'll put it behind okay. us. So not between us and the town. And I'm going to start whacking the ground. <laughs> okay. Um, you guys start to feel uh, the rumbling um, intensify and intensify uh, to a, a level that it is starting to get harder to walk. And um, you hear in the village, you hear um, like some horns going off and drums um, that might signal something uh, kind of going on. And you're seeing uh, the people down below starting to pull animals out of the sand and people are uh, coming down to the um, the very edge of the rock and helping people up. All right, you lot, let's move it. I'm going to start hightailing it towards the town. Hey, yes, yeah. we should. We should go. I'm going to take uh, Carver up on his op- uh, on his uh, uh, offer to carry me. I will. I will pick up Branch. Carver will pick up Branch. Let me carry you in my arms, Jarek. I'm not carrying you. <laughs> That's fine. Let's go. And uh, Bremmy just starts. He says, "Get moving. We got to get to the rock." And uh, starts running as fast as he can down the dune. My intention is, as we're running, to have the anchor trailing 60 feet behind us, like, smacking the ground as much as possible. All right. Like, kind of trying to draw it away. All right, you guys uh, kind of get to the bottom of the dune, and they're now just kind of running uh, as fast as you can. The rumbling uh, is going crazy. Sarsa, you look back to see what's happening with your... Uh, with your anchor, what you see is this almost the entire giant bank side of this mountain begins to fall away, begins to kind of cave downwards and just kind of disappear and taking its place. You just see this enormous gaping maw that is maybe 50 feet wide come up and um, completely crash down on your anchor uh, right where it was and uh, pull down. You just this massive, I mean, we've all seen the trailer to Dune, right? <laughs> I've never seen Dune or tre- Tremors or any of that. I'm so out of my element, but I have seen Beetlejuice. Okay, it's, it's like, like a big thing that. like that. <laughs> and it, um, it comes down and just, you know that that's the source, this enormous, gigantic uh, sandworm. Whoa! Could somebody, do, do you guys know those are in there? Could we have mentioned that earlier? I knew there was a giant worm inside of the sand. Well, I went, we've been on that stand for like 20 miles. You couldn't have mentioned that earlier. Let's go. There are many creatures that live in the sand. I didn't Let's go. every creature that lives in the sand, but I can list them for you if you would like. With the uh, bang of the sandworm's uh, mouth hitting down 
onto the sand, it actually kicks up a giant wave of sand and air that pushes past you and the sun immediately kind of gets shaded and there is this sandstorm now that is also happening at the same time. And so your vision of the uh, faraway town begins to kind of lessen. You're running towards and you get the you get uh, these rumbling sensations of other uh, things running in the sand alongside where you are. Uh, DM, how how much does this thing look like it weighs? Um, that is like asking me to uh, estimate how much a um, like an ocean liner weighs. I don't okay. have a number to give you, but it's like so a lot. Mass. The answer is a the lot. Answer is, One. There's not a scale of measurement I can give you that is will be relatable. It weighs one worm right. unit. One massive worm unit. <laughs> don't, don't Google that. Um, <laughs> uh, everybody, uh, go ahead and roll. Let's see. What would be good for uh, figuring out? How about uh, in athletics to see how far you guys are able to get here? And uh, Carver, I'm going to ask you to do it at disadvantage. Me? Yes, you're carrying somebody. Carrying a dude. Oh, so, okay, Branch, right. don't you don't... You just sit back. Okay. You don't have to do nothing. Yeah, I'm very comfortable. Yes. Seven. Seven. Six. Seventeen. Okay. <laughs> TPK! At disadvantage. Dell, you are able to um you are able to kind of pull ahead and you see that the party is slowing down um a little bit, but you're able to see uh the rock face um forward a little bit. Actually, since you are ahead, uh, Dell, go ahead and roll a perception check as you're kind of looking around. Okay. All right, that is a 16. 16, all right. What you see is that um, people are uh, kind of running up and pulling uh, people up to the stone staircases that are there. And uh, as you look to your right, um, you actually uh, hear a little bit of... um, uh, a very young voice that's crying out and it says, Mama! Mom! Mom, where are you? You see that there's a, a figure of a small child to the right of you. Hmm. Okay. So how how far behind is everyone from uh, me? There, there may be... Um, I'm so bad of distance. There, um, maybe 20 yards? Think of ocean liners. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and trying to think of one ocean liner behind. How, how much? And um, <laughs> twenty knots. <laughs> at the same time, Mister Cass, you were in the village of Quince when uh, the horn started going off. A lot of people ran to the very edge of town um, where you had entered uh, off of the sand and um, were pulling people up. And you jumped in and were helping people. You were pulling uh, others up quickly. <laughs> this way, and you, I just want you to know that you're seeing this. It's a what you guys see is this tan guy with black hair, and he's pretty pretty ripped. Uh, he's got a scar <laughs> that's like a rigid a rigid like scar under his eye from uh, some torture, uh, and he is wearing common clothing with like a like a hooded clothing with some chain mail, and uh, he's real hot. Like honestly, <laughs> it's like. He's like a 10. Noted. This way, quickly. And with that, we'd like to welcome Matt Acevedo to the podcast. Welcome, Matt. Yay! Yay! And as you're, They're coming! And as you're doing this glorious, uh, people stop and put their hands on you, like, just like, oh my gosh, thank you, wow. I mean, like, I'm imagining, like, 
Chris Hemsworth <laughs> and Chris Evans had a baby <laughs> with Angelina Jolie. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty accurate that's pretty accurate yeah and I'm, I'm here for all of it at the same time that you're kind of pulling that up you hear that same um that same uh young voice the the voice of a little boy shouting out for his mother down on the sand oh i see this little boy and i i grab like i'm helping up uh a boy who looks fit enough and i say handle it from here and i turn around and i sprint towards the screaming and uh i don't know where he is so i'd like to make a perception check to just you say i don't i just hear him right you just heard him yes okay so i would like to pinpoint use perception to see to locate exactly exactly where he is very well do, do so <laughs> okay that is a 16 16. All right, so using um, your echolocation of uh, <laughs> shouting <laughs> uh, words of encouragement, um, you're actually able You kind of pick a direction and uh, go in that direction, and sure enough, you see the outline uh, of this of this boy. He looks very, very helpless. Oh, I, I, I sprint towards him, and as I come through, I say, don't worry, I'm coming, and I jump through the, the wind, and like, 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 I like jump, I leap forward, and I have, uh, I'm very strong, so I actually get like an extra, I think, what's my, how much, I get like 14 feet or something like that when I jump, let me double check that, but it's really far, and I can look that up if you want me to, but for Flair, he, he, I like jump chest out, like as if I'm gonna like punch with two hands, but I go in, as I jump in, I grab the boy with both my arms, and I'm, and I say, I have you now, son. It's going to be okay. And I pull, and I carry him and run back. So, so okay, so great, so excellent. So uh, you do that. You jump down right in in front of this scared boy, and um, Del uh, Delith, you see this happen uh, as you're kind of coming up. At the same time, uh, out of the ground, one, two, three, four, five, six um, sandworms that are maybe about the size of uh, like a cow uh, rear their heads and um, surround uh, the boy there and are surrounding you, Cass. And with that, we're going to roll initiative. Oh, Everybody oh, snap. Oh, man. Did you guys all see that really hot guy grab that kid? Yes, Jarek. Yes, I did. I got a five. 17. Also 17. 11. 11 as well. Twinsies. Carver got an 18. All right, so first up in initiative is Chris. Carver. Dang. Uh, so you're kind of running a little bit back. You can kind of make out um, the uh, the forms here. You can kind of see the outline uh, of uh, Cass and the little boy and a bunch of sandworms over there. Uh, you can drop, you can drop branch. Okay, I say branch. I think this young human needs our help. A branch can help. Uh, little human. May I put you down? Yeah, yes. Put branch on ground. I'm saying this as if we're running, kind of. <laughs> okay. I, uh, Carver puts branch down, and he's going to. Uh, gosh, I have nothing. Um... It's going to be all right, son. I'm scared, Mister. Don't be. Here, and I, 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 I rip off like a piece. I have like a little, little, uh, uh toy in my pocket for this situation and I hand him like this little, <laughs> little toy. Hold on to this. It'll protect you. I don't I don't want this right now. I just want that. Okay, well the strength was in your heart the whole time. Oh okay. <laughs> okay, uh I'm gonna K 
cast uh, Carver is going to <laughs> okay <laughs> go with me on this journey uh, uh, Carver is going to <laughs> reach out me. his hand uh, and he's going to kind of squeeze it into a fist and from his forearm compartment uh, these tiny little six inch floating jellyfishes that uh, kind of go on these little propellers they're going to and they kind of mm-hmm. float towards uh, the sandworms and they start depositing these little glowing orbs all around them, these tiny little pollen, pollen-esque glowing orbs, and he's casting fairy fire on the sandworm. They all have to make a dexterity saving throw. I do too, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'll, I'll go ahead and just do that for everybody. To dodge the jellyfish spores. Oh, this might not make it. Uh, I got a 13. So the save is a 16. So you, you start glowing green. Woo! This is what this is what happens when you fight danger. <laughs> the boy fails. He doesn't. Uh... Oh no! So they are glowing in a dim 10 foot radius of green. But any of the worms that fail also would glow, and uh, any object that tries to shoot anybody that failed uh, has advantage. Okay, so four of them are glowing, and two of them uh, are not. So fairy fire on the field. Anything else on your turn here? Uh, yeah, and then for my bonus action, the little woodpecker that comes out from the, the heart compartment, the chest compartment, is going to um, fly out. It's a, it's a little steel flying woodpecker, and it's going to kind of fly out and go like... Zzz. And uh, it's it's actually going to make a little um, force uh, force attack at one of the one of the sandworms. Okay, and one of the glowing it's ones. It's going to attack for sixteen. One of the glowing ones, yeah. Uh, let's say that hits. Ten force damage. All right, some disgusting green blood kind of squirts out and it goes wah, and it thrashes around a little bit. It is Jen's turn. It is now time for Sarsa. So quick question. Yes. Um, my spiritual weapon that got pounced on, did it swallow it? Is that what you said? Yes, or so did... it it swallowed it. So, cool. <laughs> cool. Um, I want to see if I can hit its tonsils. So here's what I'll say. it When it jumped on it, um, it pulled it down at a rate that was really fast, so it kind of took it. I'm going to say it has like a something massive could move it um, that's not you because it does have a physical manifestation and it uh, moved it out of your range. But before it was completely out of your range, you kind of had it tickle around a little bit. And you, you, can't, you can't be sure, but there was kind of like a little extra, like as there was like the there was like a little and, and then it, it kind of went away and was out of range. So you do not have your spectral weapon at the moment. I'll take that. And okay. how far away am I from Hotsey McGee and the little boy? Oh, about the same, just about 25 feet. Dope. I'm going to run up to them, and I'm going to kind of, like, accidentally, quote, quote, like, bump into, uh, you know, Chris Hot... What, what, I, don't, I don't know his name. I don't need his name. Uh, Ripples, Ripples Pictoris is who I'm going <laughs> to, like, kind of accidentally kind of fling myself on his chest, and then I'm going to be like... You're thinking that, and while you're thinking that, he says to the kid, don't worry, Cass Eilhart will protect you. <laughs> nope, Rictal, Ripples Pectoris. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I'm gonna, I'm gonna like kind of get in their space and be like, I oh, got this. Also, hi. And uh, I'm gonna cast um, Spirit Guardians. And uh, I'm gonna go ahead and cast that as a fourth level spell. So the ones that failed are gonna take 18 radiant damage. Yikes! And the ones that saved are gonna take nine. All right, so that happens. Uh, a, Cass, you are now surrounded by a bunch of, uh, not only the lights that came in, but now there's a bunch of glowing uh, stingrays that are uh, flying around and are hurting all of the, uh, some of the... And a moderately attractive tiefling mm-hmm. cleric. Do I see, do I see these yes, heroes? Yes, you see them. They, are, are they're they're, they're just... coming up. I say, thank you for the aid, but get out of here. I can handle this. Save yourselves. All right, it is now Matt Messerman's turn. It is Branch's turn. All right, I'm going to use Erupting Earth. I will cast it on two of the uh, cow worms, worm cows. Okay. So they need to make a dexterity saving throw. There it is. They have to face, they have to uh, beat a DC of 16. Okay, one passes, one fails. The failure takes 22 bludgeoning damage, and the other one takes 11. Uh, I, I also like to use my Fury of the Small uh, when I damage a creature with an attack or spell and the creature's size is larger than mine and a cow worm is larger than a tiny yes, goblin. Yes, that's true. Uh, I, can, I can cause that attack or spell to deal extra damage to the creature. Uh, so, uh, And it's my, my level, so I will do an extra 8 damage to, let's say, the one I did 22 damage to. Let's say I did 30 to it. Instead. Okay, so um, with that, uh, your extra spell power there, um, this one worm uh, gets... Uh, completely obliterated, ripped into shreds, disgusting green blood and silk uh, explode out all over the place and one of them is gone! Gross! Yay. Nice! Ha ha ha! You have not had your turn yet. So so pump the brakes, hero. Um, Alright, next is uh, Carlos. Uh, all right. Um, well, I- I'm going to go ahead and run at the closest one and just unsheath my rapier and try and ram it through whatever head area I can kind of like make out for this worm. Okay. Roll it. That is a seven. That is going to miss. Oof. Any other actions or things you want to do? Uh, let's see. Uh, I guess I will go ahead and do insightful fighting um, which is a bonus action I can do an insight check against enemy charisma uh, deception and then if successful I'll be able to use a sneak attack for one minute even if there's no advantage against the enemy alright that's a 7 as well <laughs> Okay. I, I don't know if worms have any uh, charisma so to you speak know, not very much Okay. so um, that, that works Oh, all right. Then. That passes. Seven passes. Excellent. These rubes over here. And then I can tell that these worms fight like worms, which will be very useful for me. All right. It is now uh, Zach's turn. Jarek. So Jarek recently learned the spell Shatter, inspired by his old friend Celius. So he's going to cast Shatter. Unless he has some particular insight, is guessing that a super loud noise would scare little worms away. So he's going to cast it on the 
the side of the worm circle that is like closer to the town. So if they were scared away from the center of it, they'd like flee away from the path okay. we need to get. You hear, you hear in your mind, use the spell, Jarek. <laughs> Yes, I feel inspired. Oh no, is that the ghost of Far away. Oh no. Hey, we we don't know. We don't know. It's going to be a constitution saving throw for as many worms as I can get without hitting the child. Okay, so one fails, one passes, following the pattern of all the uh, rolls tonight. So that's going to be 3d8, but more so, like, my hope is to, like, a giant loud sound to have an effect on the worms. It's going to take 15 damage for the one it hit. Do they react at all to the giant shattery sound? Um, they ride the round maybe a little more, mm. but it's not their ready. turn, so they can't do anything. Really. Gotcha. All right. It is now um, the Worms' turn, and uh, one is going to start turning to our friend Sarsa. It opens up a deeper compartment in its uh, hideous mouth and is going to uh, shoot acid out. So roll a dexterity saving throw, Sarsa Demisol. 16. 16, that'll pass. All right, so six acid damage. And so the acid is on you. And uh, as well is a bunch of um, it's a bunch of this uh, thin fiber, almost like spider webby, like this silk that is mixed in with this acid. And it kind of uh, burns and binds onto uh, part of you there. I don't like that. Next one is going to uh, lunge forward at uh, Cass and is going to try and bite. Hold tight, son. Is this your son? That's a, a 22 to hit. Uh, I have a, my AC is 16 right now. Okay, it's going to hit you. Ah! I grip my teeth, but I don't stop smiling. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it's going to uh, latch on. It's going to do uh, 11 damage right off the bat, and it is going to attempt to uh, hold on and grapple you. We're going to do a strength competition. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's time to let loose. Okay, that is an 18 plus 4, so that is a 22. Ooh. Oh, man, I was very close. I got a 17 plus 3, a 20 on that one. So you managed to, um, you managed to kind of kick off this, uh, this worm. It's and biting it, me, right? It's, so it I, 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 I flex my muscle. <laughs> it just explodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like hulking out of the shirt. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, great. I told you I wouldn't squirm and I, I flex it off. <laughs> great. Can I swoon? Can I use a reaction to swoon? Yes, that will use your reaction. <laughs> All right, the next one is going to uh, attack. Wait, did it? Did that one make the save too? Oh, let's find out. Eleven. That's not gonna save. So that one's gonna take fifteen uh, radiant damage. Yikers! It, ex- it 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 just gets this radiant damage. It is not looking great. All right, the next one is going to try and uh, do a bite attack on Deleth for 19 to hit. Ooh, yeah, armor class is 15, so yeah, I guess. All right, it's gonna do nine damage to you and also attempt to uh, hold on to you. Ooh, it's not gonna. Uh, So strength, uh, strength check. With with uncanny dodge, it says when an attacker that you can see hits you with an attack, 
you can use your reaction to have the attack damage against you. Okay. And um, it tries to grapple you, but unfortunately does not manage to do that. Um, and it's going to roll its save here. Oh, it did make it. It'll be seven. Oh, man. And uh, just as it uh, it's retracting from its bite, all of these stingrays come over and start going all over it. And it just kind of uh, falls apart. It disintegrates um, away. So another one of the sandworms is done. The two remaining uh, sink down into the sand. So two are up and two have sunk down into the sand. So now Remy is going to uh, come up. He is going to make an attack on one of them and he's actually going to miss that attack. He's gonna try uh, another thing and that also misses. So you see him uh, pull out the sword and um, swing down, he misses. And so uh, now here, uh, Cass, it is your turn and you see uh, fighting alongside you for um, the first time in a very long time is uh, Remy, you kind of look up and you guys make eye contact and uh, it takes a little second to kind of register. But sure enough, you notice that that's uh, Remy Valiant. Remy, getting a little slow, aren't you? (laughs) Cass, is that you? That's right, Remy. I I knew I'd find you out here. Let's, let's, why don't we make work of these worms and go get a cup of tea? (laughs) Let's do, friend. That's right. Let's do. And uh, I have the key. There's, so there's two up in front of me? Yes. And two are in the sand somewhere. Yes. Yes, yes. Don't like that. Don't like that. Mm-mm. Remy. Yes. I need to get this child to safety. I'll be right back. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I, and I like, I, I, want, I double action with the kid to get like 60 feet away to put him in a safe spot. Okay, uh, you very quickly uh, run away with the kid, and um, you're actually able to um, get to kind of the base of the staircases that lead up onto the rock. And uh, you see that there are some people kind of standing there. Um, some worms are starting to, uh, you see that there's like sand kind of moving around uh, down below. You're not sure what dangers are there, uh, but you just quickly hand up the kid to somebody. And, they and just- I say, I say, you ma- you wait you make you you make sure this kid gets to his mother. <laughs> okay, sir. And then uh, you you run back. I'll say that um, your valiant um, energy has allowed you to go all the way there and all the way back. So if you'd like to make an attack, uh, you're right back oh. where, where you were. So you can make so an attack I like, if you'd like. I sprint. The sprint's a little. It look, it's like straight out of like an animated, like you know, real fast. Uh, and I come right back, uh, and you just see like speech bubbles from afar. But I come back into frame, and I <laughs> and I grab uh, and I say, <sighs> I take a deep breath, and it's time, <sighs> Solana, give me your strength. And I pull out from my back this huge great sword. <sighs> I wield it, and I go and I strike, make one strike. I, I won't. I usually get two strikes, but because this is my, you're letting me do this. I'm only gonna do the one because that's that's op, that's op. Uh, so because I did double action. Anyways, so I go. I take my great sword and I swing down at the sandworm, and I just go. Duh! Okay, roll. And we'll see if that does anything. <laughs> I hope it does. It's a lot of build up. It really was, man. It really was. All right, here we go. That guy's got a really big sword. Yes, he does. Okay. No. 
I'm also proficient, so I get to add my proficiency bonus with a great sword. So that is a 13 plus 7. Uh, so that is an unnatural 20. Dirty 20. You hit, my friend. Roll that damage. All right. And uh, I get it's 2d6 damage coming at you, plus 4. So here we go. Roll the dice. Okay, that is a 6 and a 4. <laughs> A six and a four. Uh, that's ten, so fourteen with my additional bonus. All right. So with that, uh, you you swing down and like cutting a uh, Christmas roast in half, as you do to serve Christmas roast. Uh, it just splits right down the middle uh, with your sword, and that worm is no more. And uh, Remy looks up at you, and he gives you a, a knowing, fatherly type of nod, like. Well done. And as the as the sword like like breaks through, it's like three. It's like a three take. Like go go go, and then, <laughs> and then and then I look back at Remy and I say, "I've gotten stronger since the last time I saw you, Remy." You're doing fine, son. Let's go back to the top of the order now, and uh, it is uh, back to Carver's turn. So there's one left. You see one left. Okay, Carver will look at it and say, I will attempt to take out the last worm for the safety of all involved. And his little arm compartment will open up and he pulls out his chef's knife that you saw him use the night before to cut up all of the food. And he throws it uh, at the worm. 24 to hit. Yeah, that's going to hit. So that's nine damage, and it returns to him, kind of like a boomerang, but it kind of goes, it kind of goes through the worm and, and returns to him, like, and then he throws it again. You don't think he did that before? Before he was kicking with it. All right, so you, uh, Carver, here's what I'll say. Uh, you throw that knife, and um, you know how to throw it, like, twice pretty fast. But as soon as you, uh, as soon as it lands, it hits, it travels directly through uh, it kind of goes in one end and out the other. It's yep. just—it's real gross. Uh, but returns to you, and the worm just flops over, uh, dead, gutted. Uh, it, it did not stand a chance. So and it flies back, and he's ready to throw it again. He's like, "Oh, all right, well, good." <laughs> Sorry, Carver, you're too did good. I do that? <laughs> you're just too good. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that my knife would come back to me like that. All right, so now there are no. There are no worms that anybody can see um, sticking up out of the ground, but there are still the two somewhere underground. So any other turn? I suggest we all move onto the stone as quickly as possible. Right. Okay, so we're going to still take this because they're still in play. Something could still happen here. So I'll use, uh, Carbo will use his movement to move towards the stone. Okay, great. Uh, you are able to uh, kind of get almost all the way to the stone you're still in the uh just at the very footsteps of uh getting there it is now sarsis turn uh i am also going to move towards the step and but i'd like to ready um if i see one of the worms pop up i want to cast sacred flame on it Okay, go ahead and roll a dexterity check, please. Oh, I don't like this. I do not like... 14. 14? All right, so uh, you're able to uh, move that distance. You're right up next to Carver. You guys are getting right near the edge of that rock there. It is now Branch's turn. Okay, so I can get onto it, but not all the way. I'm sorry, you would be where um, 
Sarsa and Carver are, which is about 15 feet away, if you did your movement. Uh, I will do that, and then I would like to hold my actual action. Okay. Um, and if uh, one of the worms pops its ugly little face up, I would like to cast Moonbeam at okay. it. Uh, go ahead and roll a dexterity check. 14. Okay. Uh, you make it there, and uh, you guys are just about uh, to get there. Uh, Carlos... Uh, Mr. Dell, it is your turn. Uh, yes. Um, I I have an ability called Eye for Detail, where I can use a bonus action to uh, make a perception check to spot hidden creatures. Could I use that to see where they might be located in the sand, like see any details, like kind of sand moving around or something just out of the usual? Ooh, yeah. Or would, would, that be, uh, would that be difficult to parse? Uh, go ahead and roll it. I'll let you roll it. Okay. Let's go. That is uh, 15. Okay, so you actually, uh, by kind of being very still and kind of uh, uh, checking things out, you can actually see that there are kind of there's kind of some like moving mounds uh, of dirt that are kind of chasing after um, in the direction of uh, where Sarsa and Carver and Branch went. I cut my hands out like, Sarsa, close to you! That was very helpful. <laughs> All right. Will you move that way as well? Uh, I will. Uh, uh, I'll go ahead and uh, do a dash uh, and get my button gear. Okay. All right. So uh, go ahead and roll a dexterity as well. All right. That is uh, 21. 21. All right. So you're able to make it there. No problemo. It is now Jerk. All right, so I'm going to be running after Sarsa and Branch. And I think I would like to cast Mold Earth on those spots where it looks like, assuming I can also kind of like locate where it looks like the worms are underground. I'm going to cast Mold Earth to excavate that five foot cube and like lift it up out of the sand. With presumably, hopefully, with the worms in it. Nice. Nice. All right. So um, you take a minute. You kind of look and see what, um, see maybe what uh, Delith was looking at. You cast your spell and uh, you lift this chunk up. And um, as you do, it's, it's obvious that the, the worm was moving and um, it keeps moving through the cube as if the cube is floating in the air and it falls down <laughs> flat onto its face and um, kind of uh, falls over and is now kind of uh, very confused, kind of writhing uh, on the ground, trying to get its bearing. As It's very confused as to what just happened to it. When that happened, would my held action then take into effect and yeah, get him with the moonbeam? Moonbeam him, baby. Boom. Moonbeam, or he's going to roll a con saving throw. Okay, that's a, an 11. That fails, so he's going to take 2d10 radiant damage. Right, so the moonbeam comes down through the sand, through the sand and the wind here, and it um, hurts it a whole bunch, and it writhes around even more as it's now all moony. Did we get to use my uh, my readied action too of sacred flame? Let's do it. Uh, so basically, has to make a dex save. He saves you. Catch Sorry, people. it's just. I I guess so. Seventeen. Yeah to save that'll save mm. so it don't do nothing and uh i should point out that the um the moonbeam i believe stays there yes, and that's right 
we'll go ahead and uh, move on to the worms. So um, the one that's there is going to, um, it's going to look around, it's going to move forward, and it's going to attack our friend Branch for uh, 18 to hit. Uh, that will hit. And it's going to do, oh baby, it's going to do 14 damage, and it is going to attempt to hold on to you. Oh, it's not going to do it though. You're going to win that. Go ahead and roll the uh, strength contest there. As long as you don't get a one, you will win. I got a seven, by the way. Seven. Bro. All right. So you do you do uh, manage to uh, kick it off. You you are not dragged down into the depths of the sand. As uh, uh, and uh, the uh, other worm, the mystery worm down below somewhere, um, is going to uh, attempt to grab on uh, and bite onto Sarsa. It does not. It is not able to do that. I don't like that. And uh, Remy also comes up, and he is, uh, as he goes, he uh, comes up to the sandworm that is under the moonbeam and writhing around, and um, he sees it there, and you see him uh, turn around his sword and hold it over his head and then bring it down, and with unexpected strength and uh, agility uh, that you saw in the first fight, uh, he brings it down directly into this worm, and it uh, writhes around a little bit, and he pulls it up out of it, and it goes lifeless. And he wipes the uh, disgusting green goo off of it and uh, continues walking. So the one that got pulled out of the sand is Dunzo. And there is one left um, right next to Sarsa that everybody can kind of see and is now Cass's turn. Oh, I still have my... Uh, sorry, I didn't even think about it, but I still have my my stingrays up, Oh, yeah, too. stingy time. At- ブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブルブ
Uh, Jeremy Crawford, who who is the rule writer for D&D, says, A spiritual weapon doesn't pass through walls. It also doesn't occupy its space. It's not a creature, and it's not described as being large enough to fill its space. What? Thanks, Jeremy Crawford. (laughs) That clears it up. 